Welcome to The Open Door with Kelly and Kelly, brought to you by Collective Creations and Legendary Luminaries. Each week, join us for discussions on spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical health with guests from all walks of life. We invite you to connect. Hi, so uh, Kelly and Kelly here. We're doing a podcast in the car on the way home from the beach. So even Qigong masters need to take a you know a beach day. But it was really beautiful, hey, to be out by the water. Oh, that was so and nice. And the nature. Yeah. It was so, so, so nice. And yeah, we're processing. I am in particular processing through some things. And I like to talk about them when I can, if I'm emotionally able to in real time. Because I feel it's important for people to understand those different kinds of spaces. And it's always easy to talk about something when you've been through it already. You know, you can be on the other side of it, but sometimes, especially for me, it's a little difficult to talk through. So I thought we should do that because I'm going through a huge transition and it's probably been a few weeks of different layers working yeah, through yeah, that you've off been, and on. Yeah, you've been peeling back the layers on this one specific yeah. space of transition, yeah. Yeah. And uh, for me, it's huge because most of my life, without me realizing it, I dealt with really bad anxiety. And I know we've talked about that before on the podcast and on different things. And I didn't really know that I had anxiety because it just was normal to me. The way that I operated in my life was right. just... Well, yeah, like we grow, we grow up in, in emotional spaces that aren't healthy actually become our, our normal space. And we don't understand that until we actually step into observation and develop enough observation to realize like wait a minute this actually does not serve me this is not healthy this is not yeah yeah you know yeah because like I was telling you today when when I really got into energy work and healing was when I was we were talking about a book in particular I think which was, was Louise, uh, Hayes? Uh, Louise Hayes you can heal your life yeah which I was a book that I found in the library at Cancer Care here in Manitoba and I had been diagnosed with a tumor and it was one of those wake-up things where I went I am not happy in my life I'm not living the kind of life that I want and you know I mean the title (laughs) really caught my eye you can heal your life and I really did believe that I could and I was uh, I didn't have cancer, but I was surrounded week after week when I was going just for blood tests by really sick people. And I thought to myself, this is not how I want to end up, and that's not how I want to be. Yeah, right. Well, and, and having that kind of experience, I mean, for me, like, as a kid, having asthma attacks and ending up in the hospital and everyone being scared for my life. Yeah. And registering all the fear around me and, like, how scary it was to wake up not knowing how I got to the hospital, but, like, processing, you know, that emotional state of, of fear mm-hmm. uh, caused me to, to look at things very, very differently from a very young age. Yeah, and I've been in the process of relaxing into my life for quite some time because you you can't, in any kind of healing thing, it's, it's always a process. If you were to reach into your body and take out all of the pain that you have... All of the trauma, if you took it out, ripped it out all at once, that would actually be very traumatic for your nervous system. Yep. Because your nervous system has to let go of it piece by piece because it's used to being in a state of um, agitation or irritation, anxiety. we've we've normalized being in a state of agitation 
or enervation or anxiety for such a long time and we normalize unhealthy emotional states and extreme emotional states too to the point where we're so unaware of them it's like we're sitting on a, on, on our foot and it's fallen asleep and we and we don't know and you, yeah that's right you and then you get up it. and you, you try and do something it doesn't work your yeah. foot doesn't work you right or it's, it. or it's yeah. painful right yeah. which is basically the same analogy as like well we wake up we want to do something in our life and then we try and do it but we can't because mm-hmm. we, we can't we have such a hard time functioning as outside of that normalized unhealthy space yeah because for me like my anxiety was really a driving force where I didn't want to feel afraid of things so I would push myself to do them like if I was afraid to um, let's say well later on like after I had a tumor one of the things was that I had always wanted to write a book and for those of you that know and who don't know I'm an also a published author I've been in the publishing industry for uh, 11 12 years now and uh, it was one thing I really wanted to know was how to write a book and I didn't want to be afraid to write it I didn't want to be afraid that I wasn't good at it and trust me when I first started writing I wasn't that good at it <laughs> I had to relearn you know all the things that you learned in school how to how to write proper sentences grammar I mean it's not that I couldn't write but it was just how to put a book together properly and I did learn how to do that and I have several well not just several I have over 25 published titles now But the anxiety for me was a driving force because I wanted to learn and I didn't want to be afraid. So it's weird how I use the fear to push through being afraid. Which is which is which is a really weird thing. But that's that's what what I did. That's actually the normal thing that people do. Yeah. They 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 use fear and anxiety as a motivation, as a fuel for their motivation. Yeah. Because they're scared of being in one place. And they're pushing themselves to be in another. Yeah. And it is, and it's that that fear fuel, if you will, <laughs> that generally causes us to project and to manipulate ourselves and tell ourselves stories, mm-hmm. the why and the where and the when and all those other things, mm-hmm. so that we ignore the pain that we're causing ourselves because we've normalized it. Yeah. We've normalized being in that painful space and that space of anxiety so much that we don't even notice it. We don't even know that that's what we're in, that kind of space. And that we are continuously telling ourselves stories and using that fear to fuel Mm -hmm. more fear and more stories based in fear. Yeah, because there's that, what is that, like live like you're gonna die or what is that 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 phrase like live, live. well there's a you there's know like, or it's basically where you don't want to regret not doing something yeah there, there's a zen phrase that live as yeah. if your hair is on fire <laughs> right and it's just like yeah. okay all yeah. right but it's that but it's also that we can turn that on ourselves and instead of actually healing the fear like healing ourselves through love we can turn that on ourselves and use that to be like, well, I have this bucket list and I have to complete this bucket list. And then we're really in our ego. And we're not in our... Oh, there's a car zooming by. Um, we're in our ego. We're not in our heart. Yeah. Because we're using that fear to fuel us to, to do things. You know, we don't want to be afraid to do things, so we use that. And, and it's through using fear as fuel that our shadow is able to get hooks into us and able to 
push us into manipulating ourselves to do things that are unhealthy for us. And make us feel as if we're less than because we didn't accomplish a certain thing on our yep. list or... Or at a certain time in our lives or... Or if we didn't... Or things didn't work out the way yeah, our, yeah. our egos told us it should. Right, exactly. Yeah. So one of the things I have been working on for a while, but especially in the last, I would say, since the early spring anyway, for sure, that my nervous system has actually relaxed to the point where I'm at a space where I can, I know that I have things to do, but they're not fueled by an anxiety space to get them done. And that has lately, because I've been really moving into that and also transitioning out of, you know, I just had my third child graduate from high school. So I only have one child left (laughs) in high school. And so for me, there's a really big transition that I've talked about with my kids and talked about with you too, Kelly, is that, you know, that my time now can be more spent on me and building, building things in my life. And it's not that I haven't built things in my life, but for, because my oldest is 24, for 24 and some odd years, my life has really revolved around my kids. And I can't say that I would do it any other way. And I think most parents do make their kids, I think you are a good parent if you make your kids, you know, a priority. And it's not that I didn't have my own priorities or my own businesses or my own jobs like that I had. But my focus was primarily on what do my kids need? Where do they need to go? What do they need to do? And now I don't have to do that so much. And so it's a big transition for me, and well, you, you'll you'll literally have only a quarter of your energy going towards making sure that one of your kids needs to get to school and where they need to go. Yeah. Instead of all of your attention and energy going to that. Yeah, yeah. And so that's a really big thing to relax into for me is just to feel that that transition that I'm transitioning into a different stage of motherhood. And you always know that that day is going to come, yeah, but you don't know yeah, how you're yeah, going to yeah. feel when you get there. And you don't know what it, what it's even going to look like, <laughs> where you're going to be. And so that was one thing. And it was interesting because my oldest daughter had uh, some insight for me. And she, um, what was it that she, that she said that one time? Oh, because, because basically what happened when she was born is that she was a preemie. And I went from having, thinking that I had... I was going on maternity leave and that was my last day of work and that I had six weeks to prepare for this little person to come into my life. And that didn't happen because she was born the next day. She was, yeah, no, I had, yeah, my last day of work and I wasn't feeling well and I had, uh, yeah, I just wasn't feeling good. And I thought, oh my goodness, okay, well, you know, go home and rest, whatever. And my water broke in the middle of the night. Wow. And so I literally went from having six weeks to prepare to having none. Wow. And then because she was early, she had to stay in the hospital because Damn. she her lungs weren't fully developed. And, and she kept having apnea episodes. Oh, okay, okay. So not only did I overnight transition from being pregnant to being, you know, a mother, but I wasn't allowed to take my baby home. And my wow. whole world went from everything else like my my job everything that seemed so important to me 
sort of singularly focused on this one person. And that's not to say that my husband and I at the time, like, you know, it didn't really take away from our relationship. But for both of us, our world for at least a month revolved around when we were going to the hospital to see her, how I was going to get there because I'd get up in the morning and I wanted to breastfeed her. So I would get on the bus, take the bus to the hospital and I'd spend all day there. My husband would come, we'd have dinner together, we'd spend the evening with her and then we would go home. And that's what our lives were like. And it just, my world went from this big place to to then this almost singular point. And then from then on, it was like I was, and the weird thing is, is my entire life, or not my entire life, but since the day she was born, like people would ask me how old I was. And I always want to say 25, but it's all, and then she, her, her insight to me was, well, but you transition so quickly into being a mom that yeah, you so, feel that was, stuck. Would have been sudden. Yeah, and it was so sudden, and shock. so I feel like in some ways I kind of got catapulted into a new phase of my life so fast, mm-hmm. and then now I have this time to transition out of it, which is such a blessing. This time, right? Because now my yep. kids are getting older, and yeah, so it's kind of weird to go. Oh, right. I kind of went from one thing to to one another thing super fast, and then yeah, no you know kidding. then went through a divorce years later. But but that that transition like from later, thinking you had like six weeks to prepare to none. <laughs> none, yeah. That that's that's huge. I mean that yeah. that would have been an immense shock. shock it was a, yeah. Let alone yeah. like you know a, a, an emotional challenge, a mental emotional challenge, actually making that transition. You know. Yeah, and I don't think mentally, emotionally, like I made it the transition well. You know, I didn't go for counseling. I didn't. It was just, I had become a mother, mm-hmm. and I just wanted to be the best mother that I could. Right. Yeah. Right. And like I was Completely talking. Complete change in focus. Yeah. And Alyssa and I just talked on a panel discussion about raising the family frequency, and that was one of the things that we talked about was how, you know, when she was born... And then after that was when I had a, found out that I had a tumor. And then it was benign, so, you know, that was great. But that was a real wake-up call for me to go, am I living the kind of life that I want? Am I being the kind of wife, mother, person that I want to be? And, yeah. you know, stumbling upon that book, and then there was other resources and things. There was an energy medicine book that, that came along as well and catapulted me into that, you know, uh, stage of my life too, into healing. But a lot of the time... You don't know that you're repeating a pattern until you catch yourself doing it. Yep. Yep. Right? We don't know that we're repeating patterns of what our parents might have done as parents or whatever until we go, oh, wait a second. Mm. What did I just say? What did I just do? And so with Alyssa yeah, why, and I... Why was that so oddly familiar yeah. and disconcerting? <laughs> yeah. And, and so with the... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no. It's just the... I was just going to say that this is why having... Uh, a physical discipline to get you into your body and out of your head is so important because when you're actually trying to practice mindfulness and I, you know, for those those of you listening and joining in, you have to understand that I was a a Buddhist, a a devout, zealous meditator for a really long time, a devout Buddhist for a really, really long time. I spent three or four years meditating three or four hours every single day and had a super rigid discipline routine to allow myself to focus on myself that way and 
it wasn't it actually trapped me in a lot of mental games the meditation and it wasn't mm. until I actually and even though I was doing Qigong but it was until it wasn't until I actually uh, expanded my uh, my physical disciplines martial arts uh, getting into powerlifting uh, beginning to explore uh, the other uh, martial arts out there, getting into the Chinese martial arts and spending more time with teachers who actually knew what they were doing and who actually worked in whole, whole systems like the Bagua. When I started learning Bagua, it was profoundly humbling because I realized even though I was a very good meditator, I had very good discipline, I was using it to control my life and to control myself. Uh, yeah. And I wasn't actually listening to what my body needed. I wasn't listening to what my mind needed. I didn't understand that I was repeating the same kind of control patterns that my family had, being high-functioning intellectuals and um, workaholics. So I was taking that workaholic ethic and sort of fixation qualities of, of intellectual projection and control and turning it inward on myself in my spiritual discipline of meditation and my qigong practice at the time mm. yeah and so the contrast like what you're what you're talking about in terms of like the progression the evolution of your experience of becoming self-aware of like what you wanted mm -hmm. what fit your life what your needs were as a mother how those changed once you had your your tumor you know that was benign yeah. and that that health yeah. scare and how it shifted your focus and your awareness of what actually yeah. worked or didn't right. for yourself. I mean, yeah. that was like one of those things where I didn't, I didn't understand that either until I actually mm -hmm. started learning Bagua. I was, I was doing karate, I was powerlifting, and I was meditating yeah. three hours a day. And I thought I was like on my way to something. And then mm. I started learning Bagua, and <laughs> it was hard. I'm going to tell you something. It, it humbled yeah. me so much. The, the practices of Bagua, the standing stake, actually being around people who weren't just... Just oh. <laughs> being, Yeah, being around people who weren't just martial artists, but who were actually educated and who had trained in multiple disciplines and understood the need to have a well-rounded approach to their practice. Right. And the fact that Bagua was, is actually a, a living system in that it actually has all the tools in it. You don't need to meditate because the basic foundation of circle walking is the meditation. Right, because if you don't focus on yourself, I mean, that was the wonderful thing when I started learning Bagua is if you don't focus on yourself, you trip over your feet. Yep, yes. Because you, ha you, yeah. you literally have to focus inside on your body what yep. your body's doing yep. at every single moment. Yep. Which was, for me, excruciating at first. It, it absolutely. Same. Because it was like, what is wrong with my brain that I can't do that? But I was like, we're just walking here, yeah. and here I am tripping all over. So yeah. That was, yeah, that was so humbling. You're going, realizing, it's like, Very no, humbling. mindfulness and actually being fully connected to your body and aware of your body is something completely different. Karate hadn't, uh, karate, tai chi, qigong, standing state had not prepared me for anything. Mm -hmm. That yeah. any any of the learning process, Bhagwan, nothing had prepared me, and it was one of the most profound and 
most beautifully humbling experiences is realizing that I didn't know where my feet were. And I didn't know how to breathe without being, you know, tense. Uh, you know, all, all the different ways that you learn how to breathe to build tension in your body so that you have a rigid structure so that you can deadlift. Oh, yeah. Right? Or push, yeah. lift or push, right? Mm-hmm. Is totally, totally different than the space that you need to... Whoa. <laughs> all right. Okay, we promise we try not to swear a car is cutting us off while we're doing this podcast. But there's so many things, like being a mom, like you've got kids like I had four kids that they draw your attention outside of yourself so as much as I was working on myself as much as I could you also have these little beings that require your attention you know they need to eat or when they get older they need to be driven to their sports or you know whatever activities that they're doing and sometimes like you know especially when I was going through a divorce and they had Uh, a very difficult time with their first step parent I suppose that (laughs) I know I'm saying it very I'm saying it very very, kindly Um, but they needed me to help counsel them and to listen to them and to help them shift their mindset sometimes and to find their personal power because they often didn't feel like they had any and that's also very difficult for children to go well to tell children that you have more power when they don't feel like they do. And it really taught me how to to listen to people yep. and just know that how they're feeling, that's how they feel. And I wasn't tr- ever trying to convince them that they shouldn't feel what they felt. Yep. But as they got older, it became important for them not only to feel what they felt, but to ask them and to, to get them to see like that they had a choice. Yep. They had a choice yep. in how they wanted to handle it. They had yep. a choice in how they wanted to 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 deal with it and it didn't mean that it took away their feelings but that they did have more power and for some of my kids that process was easier than others or the transition happened at different times and a lot of them now that they are older they're they're young adults that they're finding it easier because as they grew up I gave them those tools Mm -hmm. but to get back to me like it wasn't for me there's a lot of things that I'm still unraveling on a very deep level because there's blockages to things that I didn't know I had because yep. I had to, I guess in some way, split my my healing time, like my healing time between their healing time. Yes, yeah, you had to fragment your energy, your, your time and energy usage. Um, I mean, this is the thing with with having kids and, and being a parent, and again, yeah, being their step parent. I know that. The space that I hold is very different than what they were used to, and that caused them to be angry with me an awful lot, or to be uncomfortable or quiet around me until they realize that 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 they realize like no, the reason why they're having trouble is because I don't support being closed down. I don't yeah. support. I support communication yeah. and openness mm-hmm. and I always want to hear what they have to say and I always want to support them in understanding what they're feeling no matter what it is for me, even if they're like you know angry at me because often that anger is just hiding something that they haven't looked at and I know that from my own yeah. personal work yeah. and I get it which and is they what... had to come to learn that too yep they had to learn that too yep. yeah exactly yeah exactly. and to learn like what their shadows are capable of I think yes. that's the one thing that everybody needs to learn is what is your shadow capable of because I know right now my shadow keeps wanting to tell me that I'm running out of time 
And I'm not really sure what I'm running out of time of. <laughs> like, but what I was saying yesterday is that there's a space, I was talking to Kelly about this yesterday, that there's this space inside of me because I'm so much more physically calm inside my body and inside my head is that I'll think of things to do and there's not that anxiety energy to push it. And I definitely feel it. If I'm trying to push something and I can't, I won't be able to accomplish what I'm pushing. Yep. And because I'm so much more laid back, there's a space now of almost anxiety that I'm not anxious. Well, <laughs> and well, it's yeah. a very strange feeling because it does not feel like anything that I felt in my life before. And you, and you were describing it last night that you yeah. literally have anxiety at not being anxious. Anxious, yeah. And I was, I was, and today when, when, when we were at the beach, we were, we were talking about this and I go, mm. yeah, no, I, I totally remember how that was and how that, like when I first hit that space of where I realized like my, my mind was freaking out, my ego, my shadow were freaking out and trying to get me to be angry about like everything. Mm-hmm. And I realized like, why, like, what's going on? Like for me, it was more anger coming up mm-hmm. than anxiety because I dealt with, you know, like my fear of death and anxiety over a lot of things Yeah. when I was younger because my asthma attacks and almost dying. But I, I, I realized like that it was like such a shock to realize, oh, wait, no, I'm safe. I'm cool. I'm, I'm good. Like I, there's no anxiety. Like we're doing this and my, my ego is freaking out because I'm not anxious because I actually feel okay. Yeah. And, I know. and yeah. safe and fine. And it's just like. What the heck is going on? Like, yeah. How is that a thing? But it is literally a thing. And I, I now, like, I remember how much my ego and my shadow tried to pull me into old patterns of judgment and old emotional patterns with my family in to to try and regain control because yeah. my shadow was losing control. Yes. Because it was losing the use of the false narrative of anxiety mm-hmm. to control me and to manipulate the way I saw the world yeah well and I think that you know people who know us and shadows don't some most of the time I think people are just not aware of what their shadow does yeah and I know that in the past year with some of the things going on with my family that yeah the shadows have really tried to pull me in Uh and been like well you can't be different you can't be different than us and I've like all the things a lot of the things that I thought I dealt with, I really dealt with on a, on a deeper level. And I had to admit that I'm like, whoa, I'm really doing some deeper stuff here because I thought I'd already done this, but it's actually learning how to hold my space on a different level and not get caught up in what other people, what is happening to other people. And that's a huge thing I think on the planet right now is that there's a big transformation going on. There's a lot of people going through incredible transitions and you really need the support to go through that and the awareness to not get caught in what's happening on the outside and to hold your space and to be okay with somebody else's drama, but you don't have to take it on Exactly. because everybody wants you to take it on. They're like, but I'm stressed about this. So you have to love and compassion. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not what love and compassion is. That's just taking on other other people's issues and yeah. energy. Yeah. And this is why having a physical discipline of some kind, whether or not it's mm-hmm. jogging or lifting weights, yoga for us, you know, for me it's qigong yeah. and 
Oh, and yeah. Hot wah, and, and, and lifting weights. Well, because today, like, I taught the Wednesday Qigong class, and boy, did I ever feel better after. Right. You know, but earlier this morning when I wasn't feeling so great, because um, I had that big physical release last night, mm. my ego was like, oh, I don't know, you should take the day off. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah, only yeah, going to yeah. be one person in class. You, sh- you should cancel. And I was like, yeah, but this is good for me. Like, I, uh-huh. I know that if I do this Qigong class, it's going to be good for me. And it was. Yeah. So you always have to watch, like, because sometimes your your brain is not going to want you to do what's good for you. Yeah. Yeah, the internal dialogue, yeah. the awareness of the internal dialogue, I mean, is really where mindfulness comes in. And, you know, a lot of people talk about being present and stuff like that. But I find that a lot of people do not understand what the actual physical reality of being present means yeah. because you need to understand how to be mindful how to mind your thoughts how to master your thoughts and the mental game and the pitfalls and traps and the manipulation of your ego and your shadow so that you can learn to listen to your body and well the space that I'm at right now what I'm realizing is that because I've seen on a lot of forums and stuff where people say oh well every thought you have is ego and I'm and I've kind of questioned that yeah because I think you can have a thought that's not ego because you don't have an attachment to it. Yep. Like, you can get up in the morning and go, oh, I want to brush my teeth. Exactly. Now, does that mean that's exactly. an ego exactly. thing? Exactly. I don't think so. That's just I'm taking people, care of myself. I'm brushing my teeth. People who say that all thoughts are ego don't understand what ego is. Yeah. Ego is just yeah. an energy. It's, it's an attachment to a specific form of emotional energy that is duality or extreme uh, vacillation between two points. Yeah, there's a huge difference too between getting up and feeling anxious like oh, I've got 5,000 things to do and you start running yes. them off in your head. Yes. That's your yes. ego because yes. that's either an anxiety program or that's some kind of other program, whatever it might be for you, that yep. is trying to take over as soon yep. as you wake up in the morning. Yep. But if you wake up and you're like, oh, yeah, all right, I'm going to go to the bathroom. Okay, I'm going to brush my teeth. Yeah, there, uh, yeah there, I think I'm hungry. Like, that's not necessarily your ego. Like, your ego isn't telling you, like, oh, you're you're hungry. It's your because, body is saying, I need sustenance this morning. Because we've had such a, a, a vast array of uh, self-help knowledge based in uh, Western psychology, mm. based in Eastern Buddhist or Taoist concepts happen in the West, a lot of people believe that the epitome, like because we have this thing in Buddhism called no mind, and and in the West, what that's been translated into, well, if you have no mind, then you have no thoughts, and nothing arises, and that's not how it works. It's the attachment. It's the energy and the intention behind your thoughts that matters. It is not the actual thoughts. It's not the internal dialogue. It is the energy and the emotion. Yeah, the intention. The intention, intention behind in those attachment, the way that we fixate on how we feel and rationalize our attachment and our ego's validation to our thought process. Mm-hmm. That is what we, in, in Buddhism or in Taoism, like when you uh, polish the mirror, when you annihilate your thoughts, it's not that you annihilate your thoughts, it's you annihilate the attachment to the thoughts. A lot of the translation into the West has right. been very self-serving of the psychological and psychiatric models yeah. that are based in Jungian or, uh, or Freudian, really, Freudian, Freudian archetypes. 
Yeah, and you studied psychology in university, yep. so you're well versed in. Yep, I studied psychology. Yeah, I yeah. studied psychology and, and religious studies, and yeah. I mean the reason why I'm not a clinical psychologist is because of all of the politics. All the politics in it, yeah. All the politics that I, I would have had, like all the hoops, all the ego validation I would have had to have gone through to yeah. get approved to get into the programs that I wanted to, and that was just like, well. This is like, why Why are these adults playing this, these games of, you know, be a, be a good student, be a good human, be a good boy, and obey and comply and be my slave mm-hmm. so that I can approve you, maybe. Yeah. I'm going... And that really and doesn't are, make sense yeah, when, when you're supposed to be helping people when through you're, things. And these are like teachers, right? I'm going, yeah, no, this is, you know... That's not to say there are good psychologists. Like I, oh, I've had oh, a yeah, couple. No, no, no. I've yeah. had a couple of good ones in my time who but actually I, got to help me like get to the root of things. But I've also had a lot more success working with energy people, like and actually working with the energy, yep. and not just the the psychology, like just the mind, because we tend to think that so many things are in the mind. Yep. And it's probably another podcast, but but really, it's our body. It's in our body. Yeah, there was oh that reminds me there I don't know if you saw that video I might have sent it to you it was on Instagram and it was a therapist who was showing uh, the fascia layers and say and talking about how that's where emotions get stuck in the body. Yep. Did you see that one? Yeah. No, no, no. But oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But that is true. This is this is where one of the reasons why I love Qigong, why I love standing steak and Bagua is because they are their primary function is to dissolve tension in the fashion. Mm-hmm. And the amount of emotional release and healing that I have experienced personally as a result of doing standing sick and Bagua is is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the things that got me I, I did I researched this when I began to experience this like 20, 20 some years ago. Mm-hmm. And yeah, because what are your nerve ganglions? What what is your entire nervous system uh held in what is it held in like the muscles fascia yes so you have an impact on the nervous system your fascia stores it because Mm -hmm. it is the most immediate layer of tissue next to your nerve ganglions and your nerve bundles yeah and there's ah like the the studies that have been done in China the actual work that has proven how effective the fascia work of Qigong and Stanisic especially because mm-hmm. standing sick is the most direct way to realign and dissolve tension in your fascia in your entire body that there is, like, from what I know, like, on the planet. Yeah. Period. Yeah. yeah. So it's very, it's very, very interesting. So everyone wants to, like, control the mind. Yep. But, but they're you, not paying you attention really, to the body. you got to pay attention to the body. Yeah, definitely. This this is why, like, you know, thought leaders or spiritual leaders, I look at them and they, they it's obvious that they don't do anything physical or they might do... Yoga. Well, yeah, and there's a lot of there's a lot of false idols there right out there right now. There really are. We should really have to watch good. because yep. you know we can jump on a bandwagon. We can think that somebody is so great, but the thing is, like, listen to what they say. Take what they say with a with a, a grain or a grain or, or, or you know or salt. we'll take what resonates really. Yep. Because there's a lot of things like people that I'll take saying I'm like wow that is great information but that doesn't mean that all of the information is something no. that I need which which again is, is um, why it's so important to understand how to listen to the body because your body will always tell you yeah. but your ego because, will want to hijack yeah. 
and well you, our ego gets zealous it's our ego that gets zealous and it's like oh, I gotta follow this person because yes, they know everything yeah, yeah, and I've yeah. done that I've done that with people and there, there are, and you have to go back to the you know the, the, the spiritual leaders out there the thought leaders out there and that's the thing like they're, they're only thought leaders they're, they're scholars in, in Chinese martial arts a lot of the people out there who are talking about the ego and stuff like that are they're, in, they're only scholars they're, they're intellectuals and their practical understanding is, is very limited because they haven't trained for decades physically. Yeah. And their their insight the insight that they can have is actually very is actually very limited because they don't actually have a physical personal practice that stretches across years. Yeah. Because when you actually train your body and your mind together, you develop a much more concrete baseline of points of reference of personal information for what your mind does, what your emotions do to your body and the impact on your body mm -hmm. and how yeah. physical exercise will always help you shift gears and help yeah. you become aware of where that tension is, especially when you get into breathwork. And like people also who are like suddenly discovering breathwork or the, there are these new breathwork gurus, I'm going, well, yeah, because breathing is the big key. It's the big key to everything. Yeah. And this is like anyone. Well, and that's like, you know, some people like, of our private clients, like when I was talking to one the other day and I was asking her to take a deep breath, there was only so far that she could move the breath right. in her chest. Yeah. Yeah. And then we talked about what she was storing there and some things that had happened to her emotionally. And so we're trying to work on that level, on that energetic level to actually be able to move the breath more in her body because she's right, having trouble. Right, right, right. Yeah. And. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, but yeah, I think to get back to, I guess, a couple of things that we were saying is that, you know, there's, there's a big transition. So you got to protect yourself from outside influences. Mm -hmm. That's a really important thing to do that you want to energetically protect yourself from outside influences because we can be so influenced by outside people just because, you know, I, I had that um, little reel I did on Instagram talking about the microbiome and how, in particular, it's unique to each person. You know, yours yes. is different than mine, yes. and we need different things, even though we can kind of all come to a consensus on good foods and things that are good for you. Mm -hmm. But everyone's is unique, and so you have to tweak yours personally with what you do with exercise and food and other things all the time yep. and so energetically you need to protect your body in the way that you can so even to follow everything that we do like well that might not work and we know because when we teach people we teach them adaptations yep. for them yep. and that's what it should be you should be ad adapt your to take the tools that you learn and adapt it to you yeah, to, to protect your, your yourself. Life, your lifestyle, your your your, yeah. your physical space that your physical body is in, but also your mental, emotional body, like your energy, in terms of like where your mind is at and what your mind needs to heal and, and to be strong for itself and not what someone else is telling you, you know, where you should be. Yeah. Or or follow me because I yeah. know I know better. Well, Everyone develops something because it's good for them. Yep. And it can be good for everyone. Yep. But you also need to, to tweak it for yourself, you know, because that's something we help people with. So that's one thing is to protect your energy from outside influences, but also to recognize when you're going through a transition and to give yourself some grace and compassion Absolutely. when you're going through that transition. Because I know 
like be, last being night. Being gentle with yourself yeah. is always right. <laughs> like being, la- being gentle yeah. with yourself is always the right thing to do. Yeah, like, oh, because actually, before we go, my son, because I had woken up yesterday, and we had been really busy because we were working on a lot of things, and I was like, oh, I feel like I just need to relax today, like, no more pushing today, this is just a day to relax and integrate and everything, and my son, my youngest son said, well, you know, Mom, because I think I had asked about watching a movie or something, and he says, well, you know, Mom, like, you could go upstairs and, and, and in your room and watch TV and just you know, have a a quote unquote sick day. And I looked at him and I started to cry and he was like, what's the matter? And I said, I said, I can't remember the last day if ever that I spent in bed because I was sick. And it wasn't really that I was sick yesterday, but just taking time for myself. Cause I went, what? I could actually do that today because, well, you obviously didn't need me because you know, you're, you're with your dad, dad. Uh, you know, um, he didn't need me because he can fend for himself. Like, mm-hmm. he knows how to cook and everything. So, weirdly, it was just like, I was actually really triggered to feel like, wow, I'm now at a space in my life where if I need to do that, I can. Yeah. And and it's a conversation through. between all of the people in my life, whether or not, you know, anyone needs me to do something or if we could change things mm-hmm. around. Mm-hmm. And I went, oh, wow, that's another thing. Like that was a space. that was a big deal having, having, having space. real space for yourself now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's that's the thing. It's like I know for myself, um, it it's not that you know work ever took over my life. Although I have held down three jobs and taught classes mm-hmm. five days a week yeah. and stuff like that. But I've always I've always known how to take space for myself because growing up, my mom and dad, to be you know honest, I was very lucky. They they gave me lots of space all the time. Mm. So. I was able to learn that. I mean, also like with my asthma and being sick and my fingers and the pain that I have to deal with my fingers, like some, like my own, my mom and dad also understood that there were times when I was sick where I just couldn't do anything. Right. Yeah. So I I was left alone. I was given a lot of space. Mm. And so I had, and the thing is like with, when I was having bad bronchitis or bad asthma attacks, I couldn't do anything. So I had to just lay there and be okay with not doing anything. Mm Mm-hmm. So I, I, I totally get it. I mean, I know, like, as a kid, it's just like, you know, I, I wanted to be up playing with my brother or playing with my friends or, like, at school because I missed my friends and I didn't like being sick because I felt weak and which got mm-hmm. me to Qigong, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. But, yeah, it's just like, as a kid, when you're, like, like me being very physical and loving playing sports, loving mm-hmm. play with, playing with, with my friends, yeah. it was excruciating to not be yeah. able to do something. And then, but it changed. I had to change. And I, you know, and this, again, I had to change when I was a kid. It wasn't like I knew it. Yeah. It was just the way it was. Yeah. And I know it, well, in taking like, you know, having a whole day, like sure. When my kids were younger and I mean, I can't remember actually the last time I was actually sick. It's been like years and years, but you know, when they were growing up and you'd wake up and you're not feeling well and you're like, well, I need more rest today. Well, I still had to get up and get them off to school. And then maybe I could lay down for a while, but you know, at home, there's always something to do. And, Mm -hmm. you know, at that time there's just, you know, I was trying to work and push myself. And so it's very, very different when you're moving into a space where you're not pushing yourself because you still want to push yourself. And actually now that I've recovered from surgery, I feel like I can do more things, but now I can do more things with a different kind Mm -hmm. of energy and I'm not pushing the way I was before. So it's very, very different. And now I have to, I have to adjust to that space, like physically, 
my nervous system, everything has to adjust. I have to readjust. Yeah. It's when you are, when you are breaking that pattern, that program of anxiety and that attachment, it's the attachment to the way you do things, to, to manipulate yourself with fear. Yeah, when you, right, when you, getting back to that. Getting back to right? that. Yeah. When you are stepping out of such a deep fear program, mm-hmm. it will feel disconcerting. It will feel confusing. And it will feel scary, too, which is the other thing that your shadow and your ego love. When, when you, they are losing control, they'll play on that. And most people will get confused and believe that, that, that they're actually afraid of something or that their mind will immediately attach to something. Because that's what the program to do. Yeah. And it takes a lot of work to stop even that and to pull back from even the anxiety about having ang- no, no anxiety being attached to something new. Mm-hmm. Which is what your ego and your shadow love to do. Taking new spaces and then just looping the energy back into an old program. So that you keep repeating the old program. Right, and you can loop back into an old program yep. in a totally different way. Yep. And so that's and why you have even, to be very vigilant you have about to, be very vigilant. to catch yourself when you're doing that. Yep. And you might do it for a bit until you catch it, but then you've learned that you can do the same thing a different way, and yep. then you're then you've really got some skills. Yep. Because you know, and you're like, oh, now I got to be even more careful. That's right. Which is how not careful, but vigilant, vigilant about aware, watching, mindful. That's that's yeah. true mindfulness. Mm-hmm. That's true mindfulness. And that's where people, that's where building your own personal toolbox starts to happen. Yeah. Is when you start breaking those spaces and changing and being aware and being vigilant. It's the discipline of being vigilant where you really have to constantly be vigilant with everything all the time. And at first people would be like, oh, that's like so much work. Well, yeah, it is work because you put so much energy into not being vigilant and not being disciplined. But the thing is. After a little bit of time, that becomes the normal space. Yes, that's right. It becomes your normal space and your normal way of being. And then it is. And then work. it's not work. And then it's not work. <laughs> because it's like learning any other skill. Like you want to learn to do how to, how to do a cartwheel, for example. You got to take learn the steps. You got to yep. get the flexibility. You got to get the strength. You have to do all the progressions. Yep. It's the same thing with an emotional skill. Yep. That's right. Same thing. You got to like practice. Riding a bike. You have to practice. You and believe practice. me, the universe and life will give you many chances to practice. Well, yeah, every day, every moment is a chance to practice. It's whether or not you choose to be disciplined or not. It's really that simple, but that is actually a lot of hard work at first. All right. Well, thank I you think for we should ju- leave it. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> awesome. On that note. Cool. All right. Bye. Thank you for joining us today on The Open Door. We enjoyed our discussion and hope you did too. Until next time, we are Kelly and Kelly.